Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode number 301 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds again this week. And thank you all so much who have bought my book and read my book and shared your thoughts and your praise and what you learned and all that kind of good stuff. So if you haven't bought my book yet, you are meant for love, you can do that pretty much anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, that kind of stuff. Um, You can get the Kindle ebook version, or you can buy a paperback. And wherever you have bought the book, if you enjoyed it, if you found it helpful, I would be so appreciative if you left a review. As you all know, I ask for reviews on this podcast all the time, because reviews really do help the algorithm and getting the show in front of more people just like you and reviews on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc, etc, are the same exact thing. So your reviews are so grateful here on the podcast and for the book if you read it. And also, if you've been listening to this podcast or other podcasts on Spotify, I don't really have any reviews there. So if you can uh, help me out there and you listen there, that would be really great. Spotify makes you um, listen to a few episodes before you can actually leave a review, which actually I think is a good thing. So it's a little different than Apple Podcasts and the way Citra works as well, I, I believe. And I know that might sound a little tone deaf talking about Spotify, at least the time that I'm recording this episode in mid-February. 
Spotify is under a lot of fire right now. Uh, so I just want to acknowledge it. I have complicated feelings around what's going on. I'm not going to get too much into it, but I just don't want to sound too tone deaf. I've actually personally been listening on Spotify a little bit more than Apple Podcasts because, oh my God, Apple Podcasts just really, really sucks. It just crashes and it's so slow. And I thought it was my phone because I never buy new phones. Then I finally got a new phone and Apple Podcasts still was just slow. And oh my goodness. So here we are. Um, anyways, so reviews on the book, reviews for the podcast would be so helpful. I would really appreciate it. And before we get into today's episode, which I think you're really going to love, especially if you're like, oh God, how do I start dating again? Whether it's been, you know, a years long or a weeks long or a months long break. I just want to remind everyone that this Saturday I'm leading a workshop called Decoding Your Relationships. So this is a bonus workshop that's totally free for everyone who pre-ordered You Are Meant for Love. And this workshop, I'm going to take you through the exercise that I outline in the book called Your Relationship History Chart. And basically, it's an exercise where we look at your past significant relationships, at least three of them. And I ask you a series of questions on them. And from the answers to those questions that I ask, you will discover a lot of things about yourself, um, unconscious behaviors, beliefs, all that kind of stuff that have played a role in some of the relationships that you have found yourself or the dating situations you found yourself in. And that awareness is so important and so powerful to beginning the healing process. For those of you who joined my workshop a few weeks ago um, called Do the Work or How to Do the Work, I talked a lot about how a big piece of that framework is just owning where you are. A lot of times we actually resist where we are in terms of like resisting, you know, accepting our past or accepting how we feel or accepting situation, et cetera, et cetera. And when there's resistance or not really being aware or not owning where we are, then it's like almost impossible to move forward because you're not even really being honest with where you are. So decoding your relationships is a really important first step in building some awareness, also creating more awareness and clarity. If you've already done some of the work, I think this will help you peel back a few more layers. So if you have pre-ordered or if you did pre-order You Are Meant for Love, which means you bought the book before February 17th, then you get to come to this workshop totally for free. If you have not registered your pre-order then go ahead and submit us um, or send an email to support at veronicagrant.com. And my gal Jess there will get you hooked up and on the list so that you can join us for decoding your relationships, which is happening this Sunday. And you will get to keep this workshop. It's, um, you know, so it's a two hour workshop. So it's a little longer than my normal workshop. And it's not really going to be me talking. I mean, of course, I will be talking, but it's going to be a lot of hands on a lot of doing the work, a lot of coaching, a lot of question and answer. So you'll get a lot of um, access to me, a lot of back and forth support so that you really feel that you walk away with a lot of clarity. Hopefully you will feel lighter and more inspired and excited to really, you know, do this kind of work. If you did not pre order, you are meant for love, never fear, you can still come to the workshop. Um, Tickets are $49. And if you'd like to sign up for that, then head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash decode, D-E-C-O-D-E. So it's not required that you buy the book uh, or read the book for the workshop. However, going through the book and the exercise specifically on your own before the workshop will help you you know, get more out of the workshop this Sunday. Of course, you know, it might be a tight turnaround for you. So it's really fine if you don't, because you'll still, 
you know, we'll go through the exercise A to Z together. So again, if you want to come to the workshop and you pre-ordered the book, then send us an email support at veronicagrant.com and Jess will get you hooked up. And if you did not pre-order the book and you want to come to the workshop, it's $49. You can go to veronicagrant.com forward slash decode to sign up for that. That link will be in the show notes. And whether you're going to come to the workshop or not come to the workshop, if you haven't read You Are Meant for Love, uh, it's a quick read and I think you'll really, really love it. Some of the feedback has been really great. So I think it'll help you really, you know, a lot of the stuff that I talk about in this podcast is really just whittled all into that book. So you can get the most important pieces of how to do the healing work and the inner child work. So you can still purchase that book wherever books are sold. If you go to veronicagrant.com forward slash book, I will keep it linked up with all of the places on the internet. You can buy the book. You can also just go straight to Amazon and search You Are Meant for Love and check it out. All right. I am really excited about today's episode. I've got Anastasia here and she has spent a long time not dating. Um, She has had some not so great past experiences in her relationships, which I'm sure many of you can relate to. And um, now she's ready to start dating again. She's really feeling that nudge, except that she has a lot of fear around being disappointed or attracting the same types of relationships as before. So if you can relate to that, I think you're going to love today's episode. So with that, let's get right into it. Hi, Anastasia. Welcome to the show. How can I help today? Hello, Veronica. Thank you for having me. Well, I was wondering about a question Mm-hmm. which includes a situation where I have completely left the man and dating arena mm-hmm. after having been for, yeah, since a very, very young age, having been really, really overburdened with a huge number of people wanting to sexually have me, actually. <laughs> I mean, for the most, I mean, that is what it would be. And very few of them would, you know, really wanted to get to know me more. And, you know, so I got scared. I'm 52 now. And after also having a couple of relationships with narcissists and with, you know, know, I'm quite empathic. And I am a scientist and a creative woman. So men would also, I also met men who would actually be fascinated by that. But then they would want to lock me up and sabotage me and prevent me from, from actually achieving success and stuff like that. So after the last relationship, I simply withdrew completely and I've been in my own tower writing a book. I'm a historian and stuff, you know, but I've been writing my book and doing things alone completely for six years almost, actually. Mm-hmm. And now, okay, I have been healing. I've been doing a lot of meditation and stuff and therapy, healing the inner child, etc., family wounds and so on. But and now I feel I'm, I'm afraid and also, I haven't liked anyone. I have been looking dating apps. I have been looking at people, stuff like that. But I just don't like anyone. So how do I get out of this? Self-blocked. Okay. Right. Okay. So when you say that you've withdrawn, like, do you mean also from community and family and friends? Or do you yeah. mean simply just from dating? I mean, actually, from, from especially from dating. Okay. So I still have contact with my good friends and with family. Okay. Some, the family. Okay. Okay. What feels scary about re-entering dating and potentially being in a relationship? What specifically feels scary? The disappointment. 
Mm-hmm. In the first place, it's like I don't really like any. So I believe, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also afraid I will attract. There is probably something in me, I'm thinking. So I'm also scared that I will attract a new set of liars and narcissists and abusers and all those toxic men that okay. I have. So there's a couple things going on here. Okay. So the first thing is not being attracted to anyone or not excited by anyone that you meet or that you see online. That is not necessarily a symptom of like the quality of, you know, potential partners that are available more often than not from what I've seen with clients is that's more of a symptom of some sort of emotional protection, some sort of emotional wall that you've put up. So if you can reject someone for maybe some like real thing about why a potential person wouldn't work or an arbitrary thing that lets you keep the power and you're rejecting that person. Even if you've never even had contact with the person, it's just someone that you're swiping on or someone's profile that you're looking at. That's a protective mechanism to be like, no, because of this, or I'm not even attracted to that or da, 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 da. That keeps you emotionally safe. Again, it's not that like you're supposed to be attracted to everyone (laughs) that you come across or that like something's wrong with you. If you're not attracted to a specific person that you meet or go out with or whatever, but as I always say on the podcast, when something's happening over and over and over again, and it's the same thing, then it's not really about what appears. It's there's something deeper going on. And so that would be the first thing. So that's a sign of a lack of emotional availability because part of dating and saying hi to someone and getting to know someone to see if there's a connection, there's always a risk involved. There's always a risk of rejection of well, I mean, rejection really is the, is like the main thing, but of course there's other little things that can happen or other emotional triggers that can happen as a result of meeting with someone, but there's always rejection involved or can be rejection involved. Excuse me. Not always rejection, but there's always the possibility I'm fine with rejection. I you just you weren't fine with rejection, right? Yeah, I am. I have worked with rejection and, you know, I've been dealing with the rejection from the family and stuff like that. And I don't care, you know? Or I'm like, yeah, sure. I just go on writing my book but and do my own stuff. So I want to get back down to the core because when I originally asked you what your fear was around re-entering the dating, I don't remember if you said rejection exactly, but you said something along those lines. Disappointment, I said. Disappointment. No, okay. Disappointment. Rejection. I don't care okay. about it. Okay. Okay. Fine. So disappointment, right? Yeah. So then maybe that is the emotional wall that has you like, if, if you're rejecting someone else, then they can't disappoint you. Yeah. Right. And so here's the other thing. I hear that you've been doing a lot of inner child work and you've worked with therapists. And I think all of those things are, are wonderful. Okay. I'm going to just say this. There's only so much healing you can do on your own. On some level, you have to then just start meeting people, going out, going on dates, getting to know someone, you know, showing that vulnerability, all that kind of stuff. And then will you get triggered? Will you come across someone who, you know, has narcissistic or controlling or whatever kind of tendencies that are red flags? Yeah, you can't avoid that. There's no way to avoid that. But this is when A, you use your tools that you've learned over these past five or six years. But B, if you do get triggered or something does totally throw you off, then that's just feedback. And it's like, okay, great. So I thought I worked through this and you have, right? Like you didn't like not do something, right? You have. And now this situation that you're in 
is simply showing you a new layer, you know, deeper that you can go or another perspective or a nuanced perspective that you haven't exactly worked through yet. But, you know, healing, I mean, I do encourage many clients to pull back completely from dating when we work together, just because sometimes dating can be a distraction from the deep work and da, 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 da. But like, if you've been out of dating completely for however many years, then I wouldn't necessarily say don't date because it might be a distraction. I would say it's time to actually date and put the, you know, in the States, we say, what is it like rubber on the road or (laughs) pedal to the metal, not pedal to the metal, but like really try to like use your tools. And when you do feel that, you know, controlling kind of narcissistic behavior towards you, or when you do feel someone's not respecting or honoring your boundaries, what are the things that you can do to either set the boundary or you remove yourself from the situation so that then you can clear the space and time and energy and all that kind of stuff for the right kind of person. I have another question uh, related to this that might be interesting for your audience. It's also... uh, Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I want you to ask a question, not necessarily like what you think the audience will be interested in. No, no, I am asking something that's very important to me okay. that is okay. directly related to your question, what do I fear? Because now while you were talking, I was like going just the next step in my own head. So I recognized what is actually the biggest fear. It is to talk about myself mm-hmm. because I have had thousands of interactions where I would just, as it happened now, anything that they would ask me, I'm from, I'm from two different countries, right? I'm, I'm, I'm from mixed ethnicity and I've lived in five countries and I've done a lot of things. So I've been publishing things, I've been holding talks, doing etc., and also suffered a lot of uh, psychological things. And, you know, so I kind of have um, a life with a lot of ups and downs and a lot of content. Mm-hmm. So I have been very... Whenever I would talk about anything about my own life, huge number of people would get either intimidated mm-hmm. or they would think I'm lying. Okay. So I have a huge fear now. I don't want to tell anything about myself because whatever, I, if I just open my mouth, just as I said now, okay, I've, I've tried dating men from three different countries and it was kind of the same effect. So, you know, it's a problem for me. I don't know. I, I get silent. Even when well, listen, like you can't control what people think or how they take in information. If someone yeah. like is intimidated by, you know, the life you've lived or the successes you've had, or they don't believe you, like they're not available for the kind of relationship you want. And it's like, okay, cool. Like have a nice day, have a nice life. Yes. Check you later. Like what else are you going to do? Yes. You know, you, you can't make someone feel a certain way. You can't make someone think a certain way or not think a certain way or not feel a certain way or or whatever. All you can do is show up as you, share what's true for you, share what you want to share. You don't have to like, you know, dump everything on a first date because like that's privileged information. But as long as you're being like being vulnerable is really just being present. Like, oh, wow, I'm nervous now. It's been a while since I've been on a date or, oh, I've been really looking forward to getting to know you. I've liked our text so far or whatever, like that's being, that's being real. It's being vulnerable and it's sharing what's true in the moment. That's all you have to do when you go on a date. And then anything else you want to share about who you are, about your interests, about your past, about your successes. That's if you feel comfortable sharing it. And if it feels safe to do so, then great. 
Share what you want. Um, if it doesn't feel. No, and then I hide. And then they say, oh, I think you're hiding something, you know, because I'm like, you know, why? I don't trust you or whatever. What, what are you hiding? I said, oh, so, okay. I'm so trusting lying. other, trusting <laughs> other people. Yeah. Comes back to trusting yourself. Okay. So if you don't feel comfortable sharing something with someone, then you just say like, you know, I'm not really interested personally. in like these games of like, oh, I feel like you're hiding something or like, oh, you're not telling me everything or like, or it's like, oh, you know, like this is very common that happens in movies all the time or TV shows. Like, like the woman will say something along the lines of like, oh, I don't have sex on the first date. And then like, you know, the, the man will just like flirtily try to make it happen anyways. And it's just like, no, I'm not interested, like not playing that game. So if someone's like playing this like game around of like, around like, oh, I think you're hiding something. That's just not a game I'm willing to play. You know what I mean? Like if they want me to share something about myself, that's fine, but they have to help create a safe space for me to do so. I'm not going to teach them how to do it because I'm not doing their emotional labor for them, but creating a safe space generally will include being present. I can tell when someone's not present and that's not because I'm like magic or like some, whatever, like everyone can tell when someone's present or not. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Maybe not everyone, but it's not that hard to see if someone's present. So presence for me, for me personally makes me feel safe. And then also if they can validate what I say. So if I say I'm feeling nervous or if they say, um, if I just say like, I don't know, something, anything really. And, and they validate my feeling or they validate my experience to me that creates a safe space. I call it building the safety container. So the safety container is established. And then that doesn't mean I'm going to divulge all my deepest, darkest secrets, but I might share a little bit more. If someone hasn't done that and they're just sitting there prying for you to open up because they think it's a fun game or that, I don't know, because I think that's what they're supposed to do, whether it's an innocent or a malice act. It's just not a game I'm willing to play. And, and you can just be like, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out. You know, thanks for the drink. I'm going to get out of here, but you have to make that call. You don't trust people. You know, not everyone is trustworthy. Not everyone is deserving of your trust. And I think what happens is like, or what I'm, what I'm noticing is that when people are kind of being dickwads for lack of a better term, or just kind of weird or not respectful, I think your energy and focus is going on, like on, on them, whether, rather than just being like, yeah, that's going to be a no, I'm just not going to go there because then like what that does is it creates just a tailspin of emotions um, because then it's like, oh, well, this person was like this and this person's like that. So the next person's probably going to be like that. Cause that was last person was like that. And like basing your prior experiences on potential future experiences, or even the present experience that will keep you out of a relationship. It's not fair to you. And it's not fair to the potential partner that's sitting right in front of you or that yes. will be sitting right in front of you. So it's up to you to know what feeling safe with someone feels like. Now, again, what I mean by safe, it has to be in line with how well you know the person. So you can't expect someone that you've just met and you're on a first date or whatever to feel that level of safety that you would with someone that you've known for 20 years. You know? No, but you so see, it has to be in line with how it is problematic and I don't know how to avoid it. I have three names and they're from different countries, right? So the first question is like, yeah, where are you from? And what shall I say? <laughs> you know, so that moment, you whatever you want to say, you say whatever yeah. you want to say. Yeah, I think you're overthinking. Listen, listen, I think you're overthinking yeah. a lot of this. You say what you want to say. You do what you want to do. If people are going to judge you or think it's weird or whatever, then like that person is not for you. I start every conversation with digging. 
With Why is the three names? What is this? Are you Norwegian? Are you from the Balkan? Where are you living? Did you live in France? Did you? I see on Facebook, you know, so it's like, oh, it gets this interrogation. So then, so then you say, you know, I am excited to slowly kind of let you get to know me as we just progress this relationship. You set the boundary. You set the yeah. pace. It, it really, it, I, I think it can, it's, it's funny because like, <sighs> It can really be quite simple. I, I, I think the problem and the challenge is when we start overthinking it. You know, the, the example I'll give is um, so I'm not like the greatest sleeper. It can take me a while to fall asleep. I have to like have like, you know, my essential oils going and like my pillows have to be just right and blah, blah, blah. My husband, meanwhile, he can fall asleep anywhere, any time of day. And he's like, it's easy. It's just one step, go to sleep. And I mean, it's a joke, right? And it's, but like, there's a lot of things involved because like, if your mind's racing, that one step of just go to sleep is like pretty impossible, right? So when it comes to this, it's very similar, I think, like, once you're on the date, once you're actively on the date, like there's no magical thing to do. It's just to share what you want to share. Don't share what you don't want to share, you know, hold any boundaries firm that you need. Be curious, be present. I know that was more than one thing, but like, my point is, is that it really can be so simple, but of course there's like all these things that go on in our mind, but that can actually overcomplicate it unnecessarily. Right. It's yeah. like, if I think about needing to go to sleep and I'm like, oh my God, I need to go to sleep. Then like, I'm definitely not going to sleep anytime soon. I understand right. You. And so like, if you're on a date or about to be on a date and you're like thinking, well, should I do this? Everyone's asked this before. And then they get confused and they want to know about this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. Um, then I've had that all my life. Yeah. Then like you're over to learn to like, to actually, um, a trick I learned 20 years ago is like to pose the question back on the person. So I get the attention away from me. It works perfectly. And I've learned a lot. Well, of things I mean, I, I understand that. I mean, I do think it's important to reciprocate questions because you want to learn about them as well. But like, also, yes. you know, I, I do think that I don't want to say obligated, but I do think that it is important to share at least a little bit about yourself too, because like it is a two-way street and you want to get to know them to see if they're a potential partner, but you are on a date. And I think with going on that date, there is an unspoken agreement. Like we're getting to know each other to see if there is a potential partnership here. And so I think there is a level of obligation here to share a little bit. Again, it doesn't have to be a lot. <laughs> it really doesn't have to be a lot at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be nothing if you get to the date and completely feel unsafe based on their behavior. Or, you know, like if I got, if I showed up on a first date and they like immediately started commenting on like my boobs or something, like mm-hmm. it would be done. You know what I mean? I'd be like, I'm not sharing a damn thing. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what's going on, but I'm just saying like, aside from like something like that happening, like right away, I do think that there is a obligation and obligation at some, on some level to share a little bit and not just deflect all the questions right back because, you know, you have agreed to be on the date. And so they deserve to get to know you a little bit and see if you would be a good match for them to see if they want to continue getting to know you as well. Yeah. So I did on one date, I met uh, through an app in Germany, in Hamburg. I did went to, uh, did go to uh, a date with a nice guy. Could be nice. So I did actually even share a, a little bit about what I'm writing. That's great. Yeah. And he was like, oh, this is so comfortable. My goodness, you made all these deep questions. Da, 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 da. So he, we even went for a walk. He wanted to show me some historical stuff, etc. And he then disappeared. 
Yeah. But he asked me to be his Facebook friend. He's liking things on LinkedIn and he's sending in some, but he never, ever, ever went into asking for another date. He kind of turned into, I don't know, a fan or something. Yeah. Did you ask him on a date or did you let him know how you felt or that you had a good time? I let him know that I had a good time. Yes. Okay. Yes. You know, again, we can't control the behavior of other people. There's no, we can't. You know what I mean? Like, what are you, what are we going to do? Um, you know, I mean, ghosting is, is hurtful. Um, personally, if someone ghosted me and then they started like wanting to be Facebook friends and commenting on stuff, I'd probably just block them. I'm just like, I don't, I don't need that energy. (laughs) Like, you know, I understand if you don't like me and don't want to date me anymore, that's fine. But then you're not going to like, but if you're going to ghost me, then you're not going to like be able to experience the things that I'm putting out into the world. Do you know what I mean? Like that's just, that's just how I would see it at least. And so I think that when it comes to things like this, right. So like I said before, you can't avoid rejection. You can't avoid disappointment. You can't avoid hurt feelings, all of the negative feelings that can go along with dating. We can't avoid them. Right. And I'm not saying you, well, so you should feel them, right? Like if you feel hurt, I want you to feel those feelings. If you're feeling pissed off, I want you to feel pissed off because when you, try to talk around them or like, Oh, he was a jerk or whatever. Then like, you're really just in some, you're bypassing one and you're also gaslighting yourself. So just let the feelings pass. They will go through. The trick is to not let it degrade your sense of worth, your confidence, your ability to be in a partnership, all of those things. So that is where the inner child will come in, right? Because the inner child learned how to relate to her worth her lovability, all of those things from parents. And so if you've had trauma in your childhood, and I know you've done a lot of work around this already, so you already have the tools. So this is where you would just work with the inner child and be like, this is not about us. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, we're doing the best that we, whatever you talk to your inner child, but basically you just want to really be with her and say like, this is not about you. It's not your fault. I'm really sorry that this sucks. And I'm really sorry that we're getting rejected right now, but yeah, I just thought it was just because I shared some content. No, no, I thought I thought that is what with the with the who knows who knows we don't, we don't have to figure yeah. that out, and you don't have to figure that out. No, people are going to do what they're going to do, and when you when you try to like figure out why they did something or why they didn't do something or whatever, then you're really just attracting or distracting really yourself from what's most important, and that is keeping your inner child feeling loved and safe and feeling like she belongs because when you don't feel those things, then you're a much more likely to get into relationships with controlling issues, toxic elements, things like that. But then you're also much more likely to have your self-worth and like emotions just drag you through the mud, you know? I'm doing this with my inner child and she's perfectly safe with me. And I'm in constant dialogue with her and I'm very kind to her because she only works on, uh, on praise and she's totally into, she's, you know, really going very high these days. Okay. Finishing the. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Book finally, you know, 600 pages. It was, and it's amazing. So, you know, and I'm doing many other, other things. So I'm, she is totally in her S, but it is about, that's even, that's why I even thought, okay, let's maybe try to start to share something with it with another person, you know, mm-hmm. but that's, that's where it gets because all of these other experiences, and I don't really know how to present myself. So, so yeah. Okay. So, so there's, there's, there's a lot going on here more than what we can do. in just, you know, sure. this one session alone. It's really, really great. <laughs> Good, but here, yeah. So here's, here's the other thing. If past experiences are still affecting your ability to show up, then that means that you haven't fully released them. Okay. Right. And so there's two things that go with that. There's anger work. So anyone that you're pissed off about, it can be like a th- person, or it can also just be like an idea, like a, like the patriarchy, or it can be a thing like online dating apps, like whatever, whatever you want to be pissed off at, you can be pissed off at. So just let it rip, you know, scream, yell, hit pillows, whatever you want. And then there's forgiveness. Okay. A lot of people in my space will talk about forgiving exes and all the people that blah, 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 blah. I have mixed feelings about it because I think only because I think that forgiveness is widely misunderstood. It's thought of more in like the Christian sense of like forgiving for sins and like, you know, kind of like not brushing so things under the rug that with the, through meditations, cutting so, cords, really yeah. learning. So I've I would, so when it comes to forgiveness though, I would focus on forgiveness of yourself because like if, uh, if, if there's still all of this fear and like, will this happen again? Kind of thing. Ultimately what that means or what that's telling me is what that, what that means is there's a part of you that doesn't forgive yourself for not seeing the red flags earlier or for being with right. that person or right. very good, whatever Excellent. it is. Yeah. So that's I don't want you to forgive yourself for making quote unquote mistakes, because I still think that's not really the best way to approach it because then you're still going to be holding yourself in present time to be like, well, don't make a mistake. Cause remember you made that last mistake. So what I want you to do instead is forgive yourself for buying into the misunderstanding that. So for example, you don't forgive yourself for making the mistake of ignoring the red flag. I'm just obviously speaking generally here. That would not be the way I would practice or why I would recommend practicing self-forgiveness. Instead, what I would do is I would do something along the lines of, I forgive myself for buying into the misunderstanding that in order to be loved, I had to put up with shitty behavior or whatever. I mean, I'm, that's not really, I like it. but you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and so the misunderstandings are the stories and beliefs that you developed 
in childhood, right? Like I have to walk on eggshells, you know, around dad. Right. So that was not, not necessarily a story, but like, that was, might've been the reality, but then it became a story. Like I need to walk on eggshells around men, right. To be safe. Right. And so then the forgiveness piece would be like, I forgive myself not for walking on eggshells. I forgive myself for buying into this understanding that I have to walk on eggshells to be safe or that I have to walk on eggshells to be loved or whatever it is. This doesn't negate what was really true, right? Like maybe when you're eight years old, you really did have to walk on eggshells around dad, right? But you don't have to walk on eggshells around all men or men you want to date um, because if they're not safe or they're not a nice person, unlike your eight-year-old self, you can just leave, right? And so it helps you take the power back. And also it allows you to approach dating from a more, oh, what's the word? Um, Not loving, but like a more, um, I'm trying to think of how exactly I want to say it, but like, just imagine this. If I was on your shoulder while you were dating and I was like, that guy, really? Or you better watch out. That guy looks like a total douchebag or whatever. Like I was just on your shoulder, just talking in your ear like that. You would go crazy. You wouldn't be able to think straight. You wouldn't know what to do. You'd be second guessing yourself and second guessing every single person that you came into contact with constantly. Do you know what I mean? But instead, if you are dating from this place of like, yes, I've had some experiences in the past that haven't been great, but whatever it is, I trust myself to see what I need to see, know what I need to know, and then make any necessary adjustments from there. From there, you're much and you're in a much better place to be able to trust yourself to, yeah, I want to give this person a go. Yeah, I want to get to know this person more. No, I'm not really feeling this person. You can just be very discerning with what you want to do or what you don't want to do versus just like overthinking, getting into the story, like overanalyzing like who this person is, like, you know, the overjudgment, you know, towards other people or whatever it is. And it's just a much more fun place <laughs> to, to date from as well. Um, does this help? Absolutely. Wonderful. Really. Okay, good. Thank good. you. I'm really, I'm really glad. Okay. Before I let you go, I just want you to have, or make sure you have a couple action steps, you know, in, in your mind. So what are a couple action steps you're going to take from our conversation? I'm asking you. <laughs> I can help you come up with them, but I just want to know like what you're distilling from from this. <laughs> All right, action steps. I will um, do a um, maybe even a couple of meditations, those deep ones, with um, my pulling up my child and sitting and telling her, and I will tell her that uh, this wonderful for- formulation that you gave yep. about um, yeah buying into the misunderstanding of this yep. fantastic. Thank you. Magical, magical words, really. <laughs> Good. So <laughs> I will heal her with that. Okay. And um, so that to take away this burden. And I will also, yeah, maybe I will do even some little bit more work on the on past uh, the shadow, to cutting off the shadow of this, all these other douchebags and all this, all this interrogation I've been through, actually, from yeah. not only on the dating scene, but from both families in different countries. And, you know, so took me years to actually manage to stop all this. Yeah. Okay. Wait, we're getting into the story again. So focus. It's it's totally fine. happens all the time. Okay. So it's not, I just want to be clear. So the forgiving yourself for buying and misunderstanding that it's not necessarily forgiving your inner child. Cause remember your inner child might've really needed to walk on eggshells when she was eight years old. It's more about forgiving your 25 year old self, 35 year old self, uh, you know, adult versions of yourself that were in these relationships that still thought, she had to walk on eggshells 
Okay. So I just want to be really clear. Your, your eight-year-old self, well, you never made a mistake, but your eight-year-old self might've really had to do what she needed to do to be safe yeah. or to survive or whatever. Okay. So I'm talking about when I'm talking about forgiving yourself for misunderstanding, I'm talking about adult versions of yourself. Okay. The inner child work comes in with the inner child work comes in with when you are feeling rejected or hurt or sad or whatever, it's just sitting with her so that, yeah, she's going to feel whatever she's going to feel. So you're going to own that. You're going to acknowledge it, but you're going to talk to her in a way that doesn't allow her to then let it bump up against her worthiness or create other stories that aren't true. Okay. So that's how those two things work. Okay. So the other action step I want you to take is, you know, I want you to actually, you know, keep dating. Okay. And I don't want you to look too much into everything the profile says, or like look too much into it. I just want you to do a quick gut reaction. Like maybe, maybe not, whatever. If it's maybe not sure swipe left, but if it's like a maybe or a possible, then I just want you to be curious, you know, and maybe swipe right and start a conversation and see what happens. And possibly nothing will happen or no, no sparks will fly. That's okay. But when you're dating from a place of, it's almost like impress me <laughs> or, or I, I don't know if that, that's not necessarily the exact phrase, but if that's like the energy of like, I want to be attracted to you or whatever, then you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. But if it's like, huh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Then just be curious, be present. Cause once you're on the date, that's pretty much all you can do. Of course, depending on what happens, you might get feedback as a way to, you know, kind of focus in on the inner work, you know, especially if you get triggered or whatnot, but once, once the date or the swiping or the conversation is imminent or it's happening, all you can do at that point is just be present and be curious. Well, try to be curious without being present. You can't. (laughs) So it's kind of the same thing. So yeah, that's what I want you to, to work on. So again, I would tell a lot of my clients to not date, but I'm going to tell you the opposite because you've been you know, as you say in your tower for a long time, I don't say, and I'm not saying you have to like, you know, go message a bazillion people and go on a bazillion dates, like do something that feels, you can dip your toe back in. If you want to have a goal to have one date a week or a month or whatever, but I think you probably have done as much healing as you can on your own. And it's time to like, go see it, how it's all playing out and then get the feedback from there. Okay. Does that help? Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. This was absolutely amazing. Thank you. Good. I'm so glad. If you like what you hear in these kinds of episodes, imagine what we could do if it was just you and me working together over many months. Listen, I know what it's like to feel stuck and hopeless in your love life. I remember throwing everything in my love life in the hopes that something will stick and I'd finally catch a break. It wasn't until I stopped changing up my profile for the millionth time or telling myself that next time will be different for the millionth time that things actually start to shift for me. In order to find deep love, you've got to do the deep work. And through my own experience of crappy dating, helping hundreds of women before you and my expertise in inner child work, I can help you make the inner shifts you need to get the outer shifts you want. When you work with me, we dig into your past relationships, your childhood, and deep-rooted beliefs so we can unravel your relationship patterns and get you into the deep love you want to be in. It doesn't matter if you've done this kind of work for years and haven't figured it out yet, or you're newer in the personal growth space. What matters is that you're done with being where you are now and you're ready to invest time, money, and energy into dramatically up-leveling your love life. 
If that sounds like what you want, I invite you to set up an introductory coaching call with me so we can see if one-on-one coaching is right for you. I've got limited spots available, so please don't put this off if this is something that you want this year. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching to schedule your call. That's veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. Talk soon. And in the meantime, let's get back to the episode. Thank you so much, Anastasia, for coming onto the show. As always, I so appreciate your vulnerability and your courage. I know this is a big leap for you, a big step for you. Uh, so I'm so glad you did it. And I know that our conversation is going to help so many women. And if you would like to come onto the show, then head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast, scroll to the bottom of the page. And at the bottom of the page, there'll be a link, click the link. There's a quick Google form there, fill out the Google form, and then that will get you onto the wait list. And then my assistant Jess will be in touch about scheduling these calls. I do these calls about once a month, depending on how far out I am. I don't like to get too far ahead of myself. So about once a month is when I schedule these and I would love to connect. It's a totally free coaching call. Um, it's about, you know, you know, about as long as the episodes, uh, 20 to 30 minutes or so, and you will walk away with some tools and some clarity and hopefully some inspiration and motivation to take a next step forward. All right. So I explained a lot of things to Anastasia during our call. So I'm not going to go too far into that again, but I do want to just quickly recap the key takeaways. Number one, and this is a big one, you can't control what other people do, feel, or don't do, don't feel. The more you obsess about it or try to police their behavior or play out potential scenarios in your head, the more it's going to drag you down emotionally. If that's the place that you're dating from um, or really doing anything from, it's going to feel 10 times more exhausting than it needs to. That doesn't mean that things can't feel hurtful or things can't make you angry or sad. But it's more about this is really a form of resistance, right? Like when you're like trying to make them feel or do a certain thing, you're you're resisting the fact that you can't control them, right? So moving into acceptance is yeah, sometimes owning and accepting that you feel a crappy kind of way. But that's different than trying to police their behavior. So policing behavior, trying to control the outcome, completely exhausting and not a great place to, you know, be dating from. Second thing that I want you to make sure you take away is there will be times when you're rejected and you feel sad, mad or something else. And I really want you to feel those things. So one thing that I've been noticing a lot with my clients, and I think this is pretty prevalent, because unfortunately, you know, self help has really gotten huge on Instagram. I mean, I don't know if that's unfortunately, I mean, obviously, it's good people are getting support. But I guess one downside of that is, you know, it's hard to talk about healing and personal growth on Instagram. I think it's one of the reasons why I struggle myself being on Instagram, you know, with my business is because like, it's hard just to whittle it down into a freaking hashtag or to like a quotable, memeable post or or whatever, because, you know, things that are quotable or memeable or things around like looking for the silver lining or being grateful or gratitude, gratitude practice, da, 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 da. And, you know, then we, I want to sit here and talk about well, like, yeah, but let's what about the inner child? And like, I don't know, that just feels like a more nuanced, complicated topic that you can't really get across in an Instagram post. So I don't know, maybe I'm just airing out my own stuff about Instagram and how I struggle to be there. But what I do think, though, happens, because of things like Instagram, and who knows what else, is, 
you know, some of these easier concepts to get across, like being grateful or whatever, it almost ends up being a deflection, or it ends up being like a way to further suppress emotions, right? Like if you're feeling rejected, or you're feeling sad, or you're feeling angry, because you're feeling sad, or rejected, or angry, whatever it is, and I want you to feel those things. Um, if you just jump to like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, looking for the silver lining, or I'm just being grateful, look at all these other things that I have, or I learned so much from this person. So I'm going to be try to be grateful for it. I mean, yeah, sure. Gratitude is really important. And I know there's a lot of research in the positive psychology space around gratitude. So I'm not saying gratitude is all shit and that you shouldn't be grateful. But I think you have to be really, really mindful around what, when you're using it. And is it something that you genuinely feel, genuinely trying to cultivate? Or is it a tool you're trying to use so that you don't feel whatever emotion that you're trying to, you know, trying to avoid? So, feel whatever you're feeling, whatever that feeling is, it'll pass. You can use gratitude, but make sure you're not using it to avoid feeling whatever you're feeling. Okay. The third takeaway is if your past experiences are affecting how you show up on your dates now, first, I want you to release whatever anger you have, then forgive yourself for buying into the misunderstanding that led to the behaviors that you wish you'd done differently. So I don't want you to look back at past relationships as quote unquote mistakes. I know like on a very, you know, Webster definition kind of way, sure, maybe you could call some of those things mistakes. Um, But I think when we're talking on the healing piece, especially from like the healing spiritual perspective. I don't want you to look at things as mistakes, because then when you're trying to decide what to do or what not to do right now or in the future, then you're kind of looking at it through this lens of, okay, well, is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? And yes, okay, I'm not going to get into a whole philosophical conversation. Sure, there are right and wrong things, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. Um, I think that if you're looking at this prism of right or wrong, then it makes it almost suffocating to do anything because you don't want to quote unquote, make the wrong mistake. So Whatever you did or whatever you didn't do in the past, you were doing the best you could because of the tools and knowledge that you had at the time. Now you know more and the future you will know more. And so you will do better. Doesn't mean you'll be perfect. Doesn't mean you won't make a quote unquote mistake again. But I think that if you can relate to yourself in this way of, of through compassion, like, okay, I'm just doing the best that I can. I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm, and I'm trying hard and life is hard and this is hard and I'm doing the best I can. That's a very different kind of relationship to have with yourself in that space. I do think it's so much easier to trust yourself and to make choices and decisions about, you know, your next steps of what you're going to do. Okay. So the fourth takeaway is sometimes not dating is the answer. So you can focus on the inner work. So I talk a lot about taking dating breaks. I love dating breaks. I actually have a podcast episode. It's a pretty old one, but we can put it in the show notes. um, That's literally called the case for the dating break or something like that. Obviously user dating breaks wisely and not just time to binge on Netflix or, or whatever, but actually, you know, do this inner work so that when you go out and date things will be different. Um, So yes, I I love dating breaks. I think they're great. However, sometimes the inner work that you do during a dating break can end up being a security blanket. And it can easily be, well, I have this to do, or I have this much healing to do, or I haven't addressed this yet. I have to do this and this and this and this. And you know what, maybe you're right. But at some point, I do believe you have to go out and date and just see what freaking happens. Um, This is one of the number one questions I get from clients or potential clients Um, they'll ask me, well, should I be dating or should I not be dating when we work together? And to be totally honest, that's completely up to you. It's up to the person. Um, The only time I'll make a really strong recommendation 
is, if it feels really obvious to me that dating is just distracting from the inner work, then I will recommend a dating break. On the flip side, I have clients and I've had clients before where they're not dating at all, but it's the exact opposite where it's like, well, I have more work to do. I have more work to do. I have more healing. I have more work, more work, more work. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. You're human. We're always going to have more work to do. But at some point you have to go out and date and just see what happens. Maybe shit will hit the fan. You know what? Who knows? But if shit does hit the fan, then at least you'll know what kind of shit and what kind of fan it hit, right? And so then you can get more specific in your healing and your inner and the inner work that you do so that it's just not throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. We're like, okay, when I went on this date with this person, this is specifically the part of me that got triggered or that got hurt or that, you know, this thing that got brought up for me. Okay, great. So then you can bring that information back to your inner work and then do the work from there and then try again. Right. So just, you know, take a little gut check. If you are dating right now and it just feels like it's not going anywhere, are you distracting yourself from doing the inner work? And if you've been doing inner work for a really long time, um, is it time to go out and date and just see what freaking happens? You might get rejected and you might get rejected and like, it's kind of fine. Like you survive, right? So you might surprise yourself at the same time. All right. So the last takeaway, and this was a big part with my conversation with Anastasia is when no one is interesting to you, like you're on the apps and you're like, oh, suck, 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 suck. There's a good chance it probably is you and it probably is a block. I'm not saying 100% because again, I don't know each and every person listening to this in your specific situation, but I do think it's worth looking at when no one feels appealing to you. I actually did a podcast episode with this uh, about this back in December of someone who was swiping and no one was interesting. And we found that it was actually related to a deeper block she had. So we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Um, That episode came out in mid-December, I want to say. Anyways, so if someone, or excuse me, if you're dating and just no one is interesting, or you're going on these dates and no one is interesting, it's not that every single person, you know, there should be a connection or chemistry with, because obviously that's not a realistic expectation. But when Again, when it's the same thing happening over and over again, something I said a lot on the podcast, it's worth looking into. Do you have some emotional barriers up? Are you judging the person and kind of keeping them at an arm's length so that you can reject them so they can't reject you? So I think that invoking a a spirit of curiosity and just wanting to have fun, those are really the two best ways, I think, to see if there really is a connection with someone or not, because try being curious but also not being present or try having fun, but not being present, right? All you have to do is go watch puppies play or little children play. Um, They're so curious and they're just so focused on having fun. Like they're so present. Like if Kappa, our dog is at a dog park or if like Marshall, our son is playing and he's like really in it, we almost have to like just go literally grab them like, hey, it's time to go to bed or time to eat dinner or whatever because they're so freaking present and what they're doing, they're not even aware of like their, you know, things that aren't involved and the thing that they're playing with or whatever. And so I think there's a lot we can learn from that. And I want you to bring that kind of same energy to dating or to your dates, or to online dating or or however you're meeting people. And if that feels really hard or vulnerable, then yeah, there might be some work to do around that. Because there is a possibility of being rejected, because if you're being present on some level, you are being vulnerable. um, And you are willing to be seen. And that can be really, really just be scary, right? And so there might be some inner work to do around that. But check out the podcast from mid-December as well, because I think that will help if if that's a specific pattern that that you're noticing. 
Um, and before we wrap up, I just want to share one quick story. So after we finished recording, Anastasia mentioned how she's a storyteller, which makes sense. She writes books. Um, but you'll also might remember during our coaching call, I pulled her back a lot from the story, right? You you kind of probably heard that where I would ask her a question and she would start answering the question, but then would just go on this tangent about something else and this person did that, da, 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 da. and she was getting lost in it. So I had to pull her out and say, okay, but what is the answer? Or what is it that you feel or what is it that you think? So I had to really get her to, um, you know, essentialize what the, what, you know, what the answer to whatever question I was asking. And she was worried because she's like, well, I'm, I'm a storyteller. So this is what I do. And this is what I said. I believe that our shadows and gifts are two sides of the same coin. So for example, I believe one of my gifts is to peer into the future and create plans and steps to execute to reach a goal. So this was part of what makes me a good coach, I think, um, because coaching is very action oriented. It's like, okay, first we need to do this and then we do this and then we do this and I can help clients do that and I can help them see what's getting in the way and then get those things out of the way and all that kind of stuff. And I'm pretty good at doing that for myself as well. The shadow side of that is sometimes I can be in planning mode too much. Here's one thing that I do all the time. Every time CV and I go on like a little trip or vacation, which isn't too much these days between baby and pandemic. But we did in February go on a two overnight uh, trip, which was amazing two nights without the baby. And so when we get some space away, then I just I, I think we both kind of get some space just for like our routines and our, from our jobs and all that kind of stuff where we can kind of just dream and like, okay, what kind of stuff do we want to do? Or what do we think? What do we feel about things? All that kind of stuff. And this happens a lot on our trips where I will literally start planning the next vacation. And so we already started talking about like potentially going to Costa Rica this year. And I was like literally looking at hotels and flights and like we were on a freaking trip. And so my point (laughs) telling you the story is I think sometimes the shadow side of me is like the hyper planner. Like I can't just be present or I have a hard time just being present um, without you know, also thinking about the next vacation that I'm going to take when I'm already on one. So and I think the same is probably true with Anastasia. So her gift is um, storytelling. So I'm not telling her to throw the baby out the bathwater. Like, I don't think I should throw away my desire to be a planner. But it's more about having discernment around it. Like, okay, when is this? When am I operating in the gifts part of, you know, planning? And when am I operating in the shadow side? And so same with Anastasia. So when when is the storytelling helping her, you know, express herself, um, get into her creativity, uh, do her work, fulfill her purpose or her passion or whatever, um, versus when is it distracting or when does it become almost like a coping mechanism? So for you, what is something you quote unquote wish you would change about yourself or something you don't quote unquote like about yourself or however you would describe that? Well, what's the light side to that? Or what's the gift side to that? Because my guess is that the more you lean into that, then you're probably already really good at that. Um, One common, common, common example in this community is a lot of people listening, and you might relate to this, are people pleasers. And you might genuinely really enjoy giving and loving and nurturing. And sometimes I get some pushback from people pleasers, people who identify as people pleasers, because, well, they're they're a nice person, and they want to, you know, do these things. And I'm like, okay, great. So let's just apply some discernment. I'm not telling you to not be a loving, nurturing, kind, giving person, but there needs to be a boundary. There needs to be some discernment because if you're feeling exhausted from your relationships, then um, you're really operating in the shadow side 
of giving, nurturing, loving, all of that kind of stuff. So just something to think about that came up for me as um, we were wrapping up this conversation with Anastasia. I hope this conversation was helpful. And just a reminder, if you want to join us for decoding your relationships, if you pre-ordered You Are Meant for Love, then send us an email support at veronicagrant.com. Jess will get you hooked up. And oh, and when you send that email, make sure you send a screenshot of the receipt of the book or from you purchasing the book. And then if you did not pre-order the book, you can still buy the book, um, veronicagrant.com forward slash book, or go to Amazon, search You Are Meant for Love. Um, And if you'd like to join Decoding Your Relationships, it's going to be an awesome workshop, lots of coaching, lots of Q&A, all that kind of stuff. Rolling up your sleeves, doing the work, all that kind of good stuff. Head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash decode, D-E-C-O-D-E. That link will be in the show notes. And that's all I got for you. Oh, and by the way, if you are listening to this episode after March 6th, after when the workshop is, the workshop will be available and you can purchase the recording. All right, dear, that's all I've got for you. I will see you next week where I'm going to talk more about what self-love actually means and how to do it without it being kind of hashtaggy, Instagrammy, all that kind of good stuff. It's going to be a good episode. Talk then. If you've got it all but love, you're ready to up-level your love life, and the work we did in this episode resonates, I want you to strongly consider working with me one-on-one. You'll never hear me say, you just got to get out there more, or you got to love yourself more. Working together is your opportunity for me to guide you in doing the deep work so you can transform your love life from the inside out. I actually don't care what app you're on or what your texting game is like or how many dates a month you go on. I care about doing the deep work so you can attract a deep love. I meet you right where you are, hold your hand and hold you accountable throughout the process. So if you're looping or feeling stuck in your patterns and can psychoanalyze yourself to death, I can get you to where you want to go. If you're serious about finding love in the next 12 months and are ready to invest time and money into yourself, I invite you to set up an introductory coaching call with me so we can explore if working together is the next right step for you. You can learn more and schedule your consult at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. That's veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. If you're looking for links or resources mentioned in the show, you can find them in the show notes at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And if you love this episode, please subscribe and rate and review wherever you listen. It really helps me to grow the show. Thank you so much in advance. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection podcast. And until then, sending you lots of love. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.